0: I bring you greetings from Grace Reformed Baptist Church up the hill in Placerville. I was asked, was I snowed in? Not really, but if I went up further to Pollock, yes, I would have been. We did manage to get out through the rain this morning, but I bring you greetings from the, the brethren there, from myself and Pastor Jeff. Thank you for your prayers and for your labors as we continue to strive in the walk which God has called us to do. We pray for you guys often. I say it every time I stand here, and yet I know we do. We love you guys. We care greatly for you. I know I'm the only one that you've ever seen. There are more people up the hill, I promise. It's not just Merv by himself. So thank you and continue to pray for us as a church. Just like you, we're growing. We're seeing many visitors come in through our doors, so we'd ask that God would give us wisdom and help as we navigate all of us through life's trials and tribulations and even blessings that he brings upon us. So, Psalm 119, when I preached this at my own church, I joked that I was going to ask everyone to stand up, and we were going to read the whole psalm together. (laughs) Just like you did, they grumbled and complained and all the rest, but I'm not today. We are going to open up the first eight verses of Psalm 119. One thing to get out of everything before we start, I have broke my finger, so if you're wondering what on earth is wrong with his hand, that's what it is. Children, try not to be distracted by this waving hand that goes about. And if I grimace at times, it's because I've whacked it for the 15th time. So let's get about what we're here for, and that's worshiping our great God through His Holy Word. Psalm 119 says this, Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Blessed who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Amen. This is God's holy word. Let's turn to God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into your holy presence on this, your day, Having read from your holy pages of Scripture, Lord, truly, it is a delight and a privilege to be with God's people to worship and to praise you. Lord, we thank you for this one day and seven that you have given, set aside to worship and to praise and to honor our great God. And this morning, just as we're thankful for this one day, Lord, sitting in this room right now, we were also thankful for your word even as it has been read, and now as it will be expounded, O oh Lord, we pray that it would go forth with power and with authority. We pray the one at the front would decrease and that you would increase and that people would see how awesome and how wonderful and a majestic God you truly are. Lord, meet with us this hour. Commune with us. Encourage our hearts. Lord, we pray for even those who are brokenhearted and downtrodden, O Lord, we ask that these words would encourage them, that they would not be running and and fighting this race alone, but that they would be doing it with you right by their side. Lord, we pray for those who know you not. We ask that salvation would come to this house this very day, perhaps for some who have sat under under the preaching of the word for many, many times. Lord, we pray that this would be the day that you would change their hearts, and that you would save souls. Lord, we ask that all that we do and all that we say would be done to your honor and to your glory. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm sure all of us are familiar with this psalm. Of course, you know that it is indeed the longest chapter in the whole Bible. You know that it's one of two psalms that are devoted to the subject of the word God of God. The other being Psalm 19. Okay, if you didn't know that, you do now. Psalm 19 and Psalm 119 are a match set. It's clearly that both of these Psalms are talking and bringing to our forefront the very Word of God. I've always wanted to preach this Psalm and yet have always been daunted by it. Why? Its size and its magnitude. But then there's also something else. At first glance, at second glance, even at third glance, it can seem very, very, very repetitive. There have been entire books written about this one chapter alone. Probably the most famous for me that I that has helped me a lot is that book by Charles Bridges, that 19th century Anglican. And that book written has been such a help to me and to others as we get our minds wrapped around this glorious 119th chapter. Spurgeon said that this psalm is worth its weight in gold alone. If you were ever to be kidnapped or taken... He said that this would be one of the chapters that you would want to pull from your Bible if you only had a splint second and stick it in your pocket. Christian men like Luther have said that he would not exchange one leaf, one word, one page of the 119th Psalm for the whole world. Now when you read those as a preacher, you go, "Why on earth would I ever preach this? What am I missing here? How, as a preacher, can I make the congregation think upon this psalm as it should be? But this psalm itself, this 119th psalm, invites all of us here this morning, all of us, to an investigation, both a mental and, more importantly, a spiritual. And what is it about? The Word that you have on your lap. The Word of God. The psalm itself is both a meditation on the Word of God and it summons us to meditation. I'm sure many of us would know Psalm 119 verse 97 where it says, Oh how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. Those words meditate. Meditate. Meditation occurred number, number of times, over and over again. But more or less, every single verse that you will read in Psalm 119, in one way or another, speaks of the Word of our great God. It uses words like statutes. It uses words like rules, commandments, word, precepts, testimonies, promise, and many more. We live in a day in a culture where activity and busyness and success are the traits that men and women and even boys and girls are being pushed into in these days. They're always told to be working busier, to be more active, to go on more courses, make yourself more of a professional in these days. But very rarely... Is there a time for reflection? Very rarely is there a time to look back at the blessings and the victories that God has given us. Instead, we have been conditioned in the world that we live in to look back at what? Failures. Shortcomings. Mistakes. Brothers and sisters, in these days, when we look back, We need to see God at work in our lives, persevering us and keeping us walking on the Christian path. Look around you this morning. Look around you, brother and sister, and see the blessing of God upon you. Even as individuals, and as I look as a congregation, I did ask the question, why on earth did you change the seats around? To which was a reply, we have a lot of people to seat. I don't know about you, but I would say that is a great blessing from God. What a problem to have when you can't even fit people that walk in through the door and want to sit and worship God and they're having to sit in the back, in the further back, and even maybe outside. Summer's coming. Open the doors. What a blessing. But Psalm 119 in all 176 verses, was written for one purpose. And that purpose is to focus our minds upon God and upon His words. Psalm 119 could be called the gospel for the undivided heart for God's way. That real blessing of life comes from what? Keeping the law of the Lord. Some of you may already start to go, oh, I don't like that. Give it time. In every possible need, we have God. Do you realize that this morning? Every need. Not just the odd time, or not even just on a Sunday, but tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you have God. God. And God reveals what He wants us to do through His Word. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are truly a blessed people. You have a book sitting on your lap that men and women and even boys and girls died for. And yet how often Is it shut? How often is it a dust collector? How often is it thrown in the back of the car after church on a Sunday and on a Saturday night people scramble around wondering where did I leave it? After the Lord Jesus Christ this is the greatest gift that we have been given. And yet in our day And in our culture, what do people do? This book is never read. Sometimes in churches, sadly, it's never even opened. Because all that men want to do today is preach upon feelings and self-help. This morning, we need to preach the Word of God. And as a church, you need to be delighting in that word. And our psalmist here delights in the fact that those who walk, those who walk wholeheartedly in obedience to the law and the word of God, are blessed. If I looked each one of you in the eye as you left this morning and asked you the question, Do you feel blessed? Think upon how you would answer. Because being blessed, the psalmist then is prompted to become more obedient to the Word of God. When he sees the blessings that are given to him, he wants even more. And then this man of integrity, he gives thanks. He praises God for what God has shown him. And he wants to learn more. More. Are you satisfied with what you know from the Word of God this morning? Are you happy to sit here and go, well, you know what, I know it all. You don't. I'm not saying you're like me, but I have a brain that's the size of a pea. The reason why I know that is I've tried to memorize this psalm. Wow. Wow. You get till about verse 10, 11, you start to get a few words wrong. You maybe get to verse 30, and then you realize whoops, time to start again. We are fallen creatures. And this psalm, as I've gone through it, has reminded me that we are like a bucket full of holes. We come in on a Sunday, and we're full of the joy of the Lord. Your singing is exceptional. I walked in this morning, busted finger, not feeling great, driving in the rain with my two kids who wasn't much communication this morning, and walked in kind of, let's be honest, and your voices, the voices of singing the praise to God, uplifts and stirs the soul, but it's not the only thing that should do it. As that word, as you guys said that word together, I chuckled when I saw it was Psalm 119. I was like, wow, they're really nice to me. (laughs) But then I saw consecutive readings and went, oh man, not that special. But saying the word of God together and hearing it read together is of the utmost importance. And this morning, my aim before you leave is that book that is on your lap. That treasure book that you have, that you will cherish it, that you will actually read it, and that you will believe what God says in His Word. But how are we going to do that? Well, for those of you who are taking notes, I've got three points. That's actually three fingers, not two. (laughs) First of all, in verses 1 through 3, we have the blameless of God are blessed. The blameless of God are blessed. And secondly, in verses 4 through 6, the blameless become blessed in His ways. And then thirdly, verses 7 and 8, the blameless resolve to obtain the blessing. And so first of all this morning, the blameless of God indeed are blessed. The psalmist is enraptured with the Word of God, because it's the highest ideal of blessedness that comes from being transformed by it. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. The psalmist here gazes upon the beauties of the perfect law of God and exclaims what we find there in verse 1 Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. It's a blessing. It echoes Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man. who walks in the law of the Lord. You see, blessedness comes because of the grace of God that comes upon one who lives according to His way. No, according to God's way. How many in our day and generation live for themselves? They've woken up this morning, and what is today? Today. It's not the Lord's day. It's a day of rest, which means sleeping in their beds. It can also be a day of gluttony, where they go and they eat basically all day. It can be a day unto themselves where they do their own thing. But yet we as believers are called to submit to the Word of God and what better place to be this day than in God's house doing what He commands. The holy life, your Christian life is a walk. It's a steady progress. It's a maintained advancement. It's a determined endurance. If you're a believer, that is your calling. The Christian life that you live in is not a sprint, it's not a dash. But at times, if you're anything like me, it's a hard and a difficult walk. The older I get, turn 40 in January. Wow, that was a big gasp. (laughs) Either that was a good gasp or a not so good gasp, but I'm afraid to ask. As I get older, and the cares of this world fall upon me, As my kids get older and I go through different stages of their life, I won't embarrass them, but dealing with teenagers can be very difficult. And they're going to go, I'm going to kill you on the way home. (laughs) But as we continue and as we move on, that spiritual walk that we walk is hard. It's difficult. If you're sitting here this morning and you're on cloud nine, I praise God for you, but there will be a valley coming. But yet, even through the hard and difficult times, the psalmist here says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. That walk is hard. That walk is difficult. And yet, if we walk in it through the law of the Lord, it says there that we are blessed. That we are a blessed people. This morning, you are blessed, brothers and sisters. Not in anything to do with you. Because you're a bunch of nobodies. You're a bunch of what the world would call rejects who the Lord has saved in His mercy. And this morning you are blessed. A better way to put it is that that word of fullness, meaning overfull with happiness and contentment. I ask you this morning, are you content? Are you content? Or are you looking for the next thing to make you happy? You see, that high degree of blessedness and blameless, literally, is that word of complete or having integrity. That is what happens to those who make the Word of God the center of their life. They are joyous. They are blessed. But yet they, are, they have integrity in what they do. Let the Word of God be a delight to you. Think of it this way. We all have our large televisions in our home. Some do. Some don't. But think sometimes of those shows that we watch, or those movies that we watch. And sometimes after it's finished, your mind is numb. You're going, what on earth did I just watch? That's 90 minutes of my life that I will never get back. Pride and Prejudice being one. (laughs) I really hope my wife doesn't listen to this because I'll be in a lot of trouble. I use it as a time of rest. But after it's over, Hallmark movies. I like cheese, like the best of everyone. But sometimes after watching the fifth or sixth one, you already know the plot, the storyline. You know who's going to get together, who's not. And by the end of it, you go, my mind is numb what, the world? Is that what you think when you read your Bibles? When you open up God's Word and you read those verses and you close it and you go, what did I just read? I'd be a hypocrite if I stood up here and said, sometimes that happens to me. There are times when even as a pastor, and I can't speak for Brett, but I can speak for myself, that there are times when we go into our study and we open up God's holy word. And there are times that we look at it and we wonder, why me, Lord? Why am I the one to read this and then bring it to others when when I read it myself, I literally read it and go, What have I just read? But yet the psalmist says, Walk. Walk. It's not a sprint, it's not a dash. At times it can be a hard and a difficult road to walk upon. And yet the psalmist says here that time spent in the Word of God will bring satisfaction to your soul. In that day, you will realize just how eternally blessed you are. This blessedness doesn't come upon us because of a grim duty or because of legalistic or external performance. No, it comes because we love the Word of God. Because look what the psalmist says immediately in verse 2. Blessed are those who keep your testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. At times our heart can be cold to these things. At times we can wonder, Lord, am I even a believer? And yet we read the pages of Scripture and perhaps we go into the Gospels or some of the epistles and we see what Christ has done for us. And that little smoking flax suddenly becomes a flame, Not because of anything in us, but because of all of Christ. We are to observe, we are to keep or preserve or protect God's testimonies with all of our heart. But I ask you this morning, do you do it? You see, God's blessings come from a combination of external obedience and internal affection. If I think in my mind I love my wife and I never tell her, how will she ever know? Man, when was the last time you told your wife you loved her? Some are doing it right now, that doesn't count. When was the last time you gave your wife a hug and you whispered in her ear, I love you dear? When was the last time you took her by the hand and you went out on a date? And you spent time just with one another? The internal affection should lead to that external obedience. That's one example. There are many. Think of what it says in 2 Kings when it says... Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. God knows your heart this morning. He knows those who give Him lip service, but their heart is far from Him. Young people, do not be deceived. I urge you this morning, God knows your heart. He knows how you stand before Him. And you may get up and you may sing those songs. And you may bow your head and you may agree. You may even be a good young person to your parents who doesn't give them any, as we say, gyp in Ireland. That's nonsense. But yet your heart is far from Him. The Lord wants whole heart devotion. Believers. Do you give God your whole heart? Or do you just give Him a fraction? Just enough to sort of quell it down a little bit. The great commandment states, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That should be the habit or the practice of our lives. Our whole hearts. Total devotion. Not just on a Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Young people, what are your parents like on a Monday morning? Parents, what are your children like on a Monday morning? They can come in through those back doors and they can look all prim and proper. And they can smile and wave and say hello. But what is it like on a Monday morning? On a Tuesday morning? God seeks us to give our whole hearts to Him. Not just on this day, but every day. You see, men of integrity are here described both by what they don't practice and what they do practice. Remember, young people, God's eye is always upon you. Adult, God's eye is always upon you. We're to live as God's Word requires us to do. You see, remember, sin will keep us from the Bible, or the Bible will help us keep us from sin. I'm not saying that we will be sinless. Trust me. Biggest guy up here. but we will be more aware of our sins. We will be more aware of the need for repentance from our sins the more we are in the Word of God. Think of your own walk. How often can you think back in the days when your heart was cold? You've gotten halfway through the day. Your children are driving you completely up the walls. You've yelled at them quite a lot of times. Perhaps your spices has walked in and it's just like World War Three has erupted in the kitchen. And then it dawns on you. Something triggers in your mind. You know what? I haven't been in the Word. That's happened to me. You've got up in the morning and things have came in and you haven't had your time of devotion with God and His Word and prayer. Brothers and sisters, we need to be in the Word daily. Not just on a Sunday, but every day. Practically. You young mothers. Your lives are one of the most busiest on this planet. And I commend you for it. In a day when men want to kill young people in the womb, and yet I look around and there are so many young people and mothers are normally at home looking after them. And they wake up till a fussy child. I had three of them. The last one was the worst. That's why I didn't bring him this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Because these two couldn't corral him. He has red hair, he's turning five, and he would rather run through a wall than through a door. Pretty much sums him up. But there are times when my wife would wake at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning to feed him. He had a very large head, he also has a very large belly, and he liked to eat a lot, just like his daddy. But there are times when my wife would wake up and she'd be caring for him. And I'd look after him and she would go back to bed and then wake and the day would get through and she would beat herself up. She would think I didn't get my 30, 40 minutes of quiet time. And she would hammer herself and feel bad about it. Mothers, meditation. Not the one where you go, hmm. Meditate. What does that look like? One, two verses. And ponder them in your heart. Think upon them. Pray them. As you nurse your young child, pray them over them. Say it to them. Even your older kids as they come in. be in the Word. Little and often, Those of us, not those of us, you who are single, I'm not. I'm married, even though my wedding ring fell off as I left house this morning. Single people, those of you who believe in Christ, what are you doing with your time? How are you redeeming your time? Does all your parents see is this? Top of your head, because you're doing this. Constantly on your phone. Constantly on social media. Constantly tweeting. I urge you this morning, if you are single and you are a believer, be in the Word of God. Because there will come a time when you will probably get married. And then you will own a home and you will have children and all the cares that this world brings. Your time is limited. Oh, to be young and single again, some of us would say, for this very reason that we could spend time in the Word of God. Be faithful. Be in it. And be encouraged by it. Secondly, the blameless becomes blessed in his ways. This wholehearted seeking after God is to be grounded in God's revelation as verse 4 tells us. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. The psalmist here addresses God directly in prayer as he affirms God's divine will upon his life. The psalm is addressed to the Lord and God's commandment is to keep. That word keep is to preserve or protect His precepts diligently. Think of that word diligently. It means greatly, exceedingly, mightily. This is how we are to go after the Word of God. Without reserve and totally. There is no accidentally keeping of God's Word. It's a battle every single day. The God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness in Genesis 1 has commanded us. Not said, you know what, maybe the odd time you could read it or on a Sunday pick it up. No, he said that we must read it and live our lives by it and obey it. And look at verse 5 when he says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. You cannot do this yourself. God, God must give us the desire for obedience. God must place it within our new man, within our inner being, for, because in our natural ways, what are we? We are opposed to these things. It's a constant battle every single day. The armor of God is not in the Bible for no reason. Daily we are to take up those things. Daily. Later on in verse 36, the psalmist will pray, incline my heart to your testimonies. My ways are normally against you. My inner man, if I'm not finding Christ, is against you. We have to pray daily, Lord, help me to keep your word. Help me to love it. Help me to obey it. Statutes are God's permanent entractments. Without such a heart-renting cry to God for help, of our Christian life becomes shipwrecked on the rocks. Remember the wise man? Remember the foolish man? The wise man built his house upon what? The rock. And what did the foolish man build it upon? The sand. A wise man, those who are found in Christ, will live his life according to the rock of the Word of God where he can find his foundation and his foothold. Think of a driver. Think of a driver who ignores traffic signals. This is where some people put their heads down in shame and go, "Uh uh-oh, does he know what's on my record? No. My young boy, Loves the green on a traffic signal. He yells out, Hit the gas. It literally goes from yellow to green, and he's already yelling, Hit the gas. He's very impatient. And sometimes, even in the car, when the red light comes on, he'll say, Hit the gas. And that's what we sometimes do, if we're being honest. Some of us have gone through traffic school. I haven't. I can stand here and say, Praise the Lord. 8 ours, I don't really want to do that. But cheating on a red, or sometimes absentmindedly stopping on a green, does what? It dangers us. It puts us in danger. And although sometimes a series of red lights as you're coming down hazel, and you're trying to get here, and you're maybe a little bit late, and every darn light turns red, and that thought comes in your head, hit the gas. No. Because why? An accident can bring even greater damage and pain. The Scriptures and the Word of God also have red lights. They have warnings. They have things that as Christians we need to listen to. They tell us against envy. They tell us against pride, against hatred, irreverence, lust, and selfishness. And the list could go on. And when we read it and the Holy Spirit alerts us to their presence, what should we do when that red light comes? Stop. The Word of God is not to be read in speed. It's to be read slowly and concisely, reading each word and giving it its place. If you're like me, you love those little things that come out on January 1st to keep you on track for your reading. It has a little checkbox, and it's so nice to put pen to paper and check it off. Nothing wrong with them, so hear me well. But as believers, I urge you as members of this church, slow down. In a day and age when everything is instant, I keep getting Xfinity calling me, hey, I can get your internet even faster. I'm like, faster than the speed of light because when I click the button, it's right there. (laughs) But those are the days we live in. The new and greatest iPhone. Oh, you need it because it's .002 seconds quicker. Really? I'm not going to notice that. Maybe I've had an old iPhone 4 or 5, yeah, but not now. But we live in a day and age where everything must be instant. Even our food, stick it in a microwave. Give it four or five minutes and there you go, meal is ready. That is not how we should treat the Word of God. The Word of God should be read slowly should be read with reverence and with awe, even in your own private devotions. Slow down. Why do I say that? Because sometimes those red lights come upon us in a verse and we speed on through. And what happens? Sin comes upon us. I urge you this morning, slow down. But just as there are red lights in the bible so are there green lights those that we must give quick response to those that those signals of kindness humility love worship and purity these are things that must be done by believers this morning i ask you are you kind to one another or this morning as you sit there do you have a beef with someone I can say that because I don't come to this church. Maybe after saying that I might not come back at all. Sort it out. Humility. Are you being humble with one another? Are you dying to yourself for others? Are you serving one another? When was the last time you had someone in your home? When was the last time you knew of someone who was hurting and needed help and you could have taken them a meal and what did you do? You didn't do it. I urge you, be humble and kind and show love to one another. Love covers, we always say, a multitude of sins. But it also is faithful to one another. It also draws alongside one another and says, I'm praying for you. It says, how can I be of service to you? It says, brother, I've noticed this in you. Can we talk about it? I'm concerned. That is true love. When you're absent from the church and your pastor would text you and say, hey, I missed you. That's not him overpowering. That's him showing you love because he cares. So if you get a text from your pastor and it says, how are you? Do not put up the hairs in the back of your neck and growl your teeth. Weep before the Lord and thank Him for it. What about your worship? How did you come in here this morning? How are you worshiping God right now? Do you have your fingers stuck in your ears? Are you saying, Merv, man, I wish you would hurry up? Or are you listening to these things, realizing that the Word of God is the greatest gift and something that should be treasured, man. Purity. How do you stand before God, young man? As you scroll around on the internet and your finger is prone to click, remember, God sees all things. If you need help with it, ask a brother. Draw alongside them. Say, "I'm struggling." God stops and God starts are designed to help us. The signals of Scripture are meant for our protection. Run a red light. And yet, how often do we run the red light of Scripture? You can't keep God's commandments in your own power. Your knees should hurt because you should be on them daily. Asking for God to help you. This afternoon, go home and read Romans 7 and Romans 8. And you will see that you need the help of the Holy Spirit. In these days, sometimes we are afraid of saying those things. Because sometimes in some places the pendulum is strung so far and we see people buck darting about and doing all things saying they're filled with the Spirit. And yet God said He would send forth what? The Comforter. The Helper. In these days we need to walk by the Spirit and allow the Spirit to work in us. That we can do what? That we can keep the statutes of God. God's law is a treasure. Calvin taught that the law of God is like that mirror. Mirror. I always say it wrong and people go, what? What do we do when we look in it? Sometimes we jump back and go, whoa. But as we read Scripture, as we look at the pages of Scripture like a mirror, we see ourselves... Truly, as we really are, in need of the Savior, in need of the one who can help us, seeing that we are sinful and disobedient, yet we are clothed if we are found in Christ in His righteousness. Nothing to do with you. His robes, His blood, His body. That's not meant to lead us to despair, but it's to lead us to repentance when we see exactly how we are. Sometimes people will say that the law is that rod which God uses to beat us. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Listen to Manton on this. Here is the caution to God's children, the less respect you have to the commandments, the more shame you will have in yourselves. Partiality and obedience breaketh your confidence and overclides your peace. Therefore, that we may not be, well, that we may not blemish our profession, let us walk more exactly. That word at the end, such a such a wonderful word, exactly. That we would be like pilgrim, walking on the path. But what does he do? He throws his leg over that sty and he goes for a dander. And he goes for a walk. And what happens to him? He ends up in a very big castle. And he gets beaten. But then he remembers something. He remembers Christ. And he remembers the one who bled and who died for Him. And that is you this morning. That is why you have that prayer of pardon and that verse given to you. You pray for your sins and that's what you're asked to do and yet you're given that verse of pardon. That verse this morning does not cover all of you because there are some sitting here this morning who have no time for God at all. That book that we've just read is just another old book. I just stick it on my shelf and when I go to church I pull it out and bring it with me. The things of God you have no time for. This morning I urge you, repent. Why do I say that? You may not see 12 o'clock. You may not see your Sunday afternoon dinner. You may go home today. You may even take a bite of it. You may begin to choke. And there's no one there to help you and the breath is taken from you and you pass from the scene of time, I asked you this morning, where will your soul go? It can only go to one of two places. Heaven or hell. How do you stand before a holy God? This morning I urge you, run to Christ. Christ. This table that we are about to take off very soon. The body broken. And the blood shed to take away our sins. Believe on him. Don't believe on me. Don't believe on Brett. Don't believe on any of your other elders that are here, your deacons. Because we can't save you. Young people, neither can your parents. When you die, it's not like your daddy throws you on his back and takes you in through heaven's gates. That's not how it works. Sitting in these seats, great that you are here, those things don't save you. There's only one. Belief in Christ. Repentance from your sins and turning to Him. This morning I urge you to do it. The Bible tells us that today, Today is the day of salvation. There are some who I've even taught in Sunday school sitting here. There are some who I've known for years coming through those doors and yet you do not believe. Don't leave it too late. Run. Come to Christ. Thirdly, briefly, The blameless resolve to obtain the blessing. This is not an easy thing to do. Reading the Word, being transformed by it, it hurts and it's difficult, and yet it's one that we must do. It says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Perhaps you feel deflated this morning. Perhaps you're wondering, Merv, how this is not encouraging at all because I struggle to read. Keep reading. Keep seeking the God who you've come to worship and praise this morning. Do not give up. It's a perseverance of the saints. It's not a say I believe in Jesus and then just forget about it. It's a daily thing. Do what the psalmist does here. Do what he does. He he learns the language of praise by doing what? Repeating the phrases in the Psalms. Some of you I know have memorized massive passages of scripture. Perhaps some have even tried to tackle this one. Can I encourage you to keep at it? Memorization is so important. Why do I say that? Because there may come a day when that book on your lap is taken from you. It might not be in my day. I pray it's not in my kids, but I don't know. No one knows. But if you do that, if you memorize these things, this this psalm or whatever passage of Scripture that you do will be a wonderful part of your devotional life. How often when we memorize things do we not start to like put a little song to it or we say it over and over again and you do not know who is listening. In the workplace, just recite these things. So many conversations have come when you're literally just saying these things and they're going, how on earth do you know all this? We must learn to praise, says Spurgeon, so that we may praise and then praise when we have learned. Are you a learned people? Are you open to the things that are taught to you? Or are you like my grandfather of old? Irish are notorious for being stubborn. We are to a certain degree. He was a breed all unto himself. He knew all things. Nothing you could never teach him. Don't be like him. Learn. Every day, you should be like a school day for you. You should be constantly learning. You should be constantly growing. You should be constantly giving what you've learned and growing into someone else. Older women, are you investing in the young people of this congregation? Are you meeting with them and praying with them and helping them through difficult times? Some of you grandmothers, some of these ladies need help to raise their children. Perhaps the husband and wife needs a babysitter. Do it. Do these small things. You don't always have to be giving a four-point sermon. Show them your love and care. Older men, I include myself, so if you're over 40, you're old. Are you investing in the next generation? Brett Wagner is not always going to be standing here. Merv Campbell is not always going to be standing up at Grace Reformed. I will die. Does that mean the church doors close? Most certainly not. You need to invest in that next generation. Some of you gray-haired men, full of wisdom, full of help, give it away. Encourage these young men. Explain to them even your own sins, things you deal with. At times, as young people, we can look at the older and think, well, they've got it all sorted. I can never be like them. Tell them the truth. I say this with earnestness. Tell them how you stand before a holy God and encourage them that it's not perfection. We live in a day when everything must be perfect. Our lawns must be perfect. The color of our house must be perfect. We must have a perfect car. We must have two children and no more. Perfection is not in this world. Young people, go to them. If there's a barrier, knock it down. If you want to blame anyone, you can blame me. Mr. Merv told me I had to come talk to you. Go do it. Give what you have and give it away. When I learned your righteous rules, I praised you. And then he cries at the very end, do not forsake me utterly. Do not leave me to my own strength. Do not leave me to my own head, my own heart. Why? Because I will fail. Do not forsake me Utterly, we cannot worship. We cannot please, obey, adore, honor, or serve Him without His Word. If this is true, then why do we neglect it? Why do we neglect it in our pulpits? Why do we neglect it in our homes? Fathers, how is family worship going? How is washing your wife with the Word going? Mothers. How is reading with the children going around the Word of God? To neglect the Word of God is to neglect the God of the Word. Listen, I struggle with family worship. But yet it's something that I must do. I must train my kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That can be around the kitchen table, but it can also be weed eating. It can also be mowing the lawn. Fathers, take opportunities to train your children. Catechize them. Teach them early in life. This morning I urge you, saints at Veritas, be in the Word. Be man and woman off the Word. But I leave you with this. How is your walk with God? How is your reading of God's Word? How is your quiet time? When you open your eyes in the morning and you look at your bedside table and there's two options. There's the word of God or there's your phone. What do you pick up first? If there's a fire in your house, what do you grab? We need to treasure this. We need to treasure this with all of our lives in these days. The world is trampling the Word of God underfoot. We need to be that salt and light and take a stand for the things that are contained in it. Pray to God. Pray that God would aid you to do such a thing and that the Word would be holy, wholesome, and loving to you in these days. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for the pages of Scripture that we have been blessed with in our own language in these days to read. Oh Lord, we pray in these days that we indeed would read it. That we would slow down in our lives. That we would read it intently, each word given to us by a holy God. Lord, we ask that you would equip us to do these things as we cannot do it ourselves. We pray that we would find time to be in it and to meditate upon it. Lord, we pray for those who have no time for your word, no time for you. We pray this morning that you would open their eyes, that you would take the deafness from their ears, things that they have Heard numerous times been in Christian homes. Lord, we pray this morning that it would come with power as it only can come from Your Spirit. Lord, send forth salvation. May it be this day, even before our heads hit the pillow, that we would hear of a soul saved for You. And that just like the psalmist, we could come and return praise to You, our great God. Lord, be with us. Encourage our hearts to read Your Word, to be praying people, And to encourage other people by it. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen.